0: We went to sleep that night and woke up the next morning and Anna was and shouted from her tent Faye are you all right I was like yeah I think I think I'm okay I'm okay and so we um we took our bikes and then spent the next uh, well the rest of that day uh, attempting to to summit or cycle up the highest road in the world
1: episode 317 the South American bike tour with Anna McNuff and Faye Shepherd, part one You're listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Now here's your host, Kurt Linville.
2: Hello, friends. Thank you so much again for listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast today. I have one of our favorite returning guests on the phone with one of her best friends. Anna McNuff is here with Faye Shepard to share with us their amazing cycling trip through the Andes of South America. They took this trip from the 10th of October through the 11th of April, you know, bridging Winter for the Northern Hemisphere, which was, uh, of course, summer for the Southern Hemisphere. I'm really excited to visit about that trip. Let me give you a little bit of the background on these two ladies. First, Anna McNuff. She's been on the show before. Anna is the one who biked through all 50 U.S. states, who ran unsupported or self-supported both islands of New Zealand, And she did other things, like we had Anna on the show to talk about going across Europe by social media, I believe is what we called that. She said, beyond my back gate is what she called it, but that's where people on social media voted where she should go as she traveled, and it was an amazing, fun adventure, so very adventurous lady. Uh, Faye is in paramedic training, she's a big proponent of many adventures, and Let's see, in 2014, she summited Kilimanjaro, and then after Anna's trip, she cycled New Zealand in 2015, I think inspired in part by what Anna did, and she also does mountain rescue, she teaches rock climbing, Uh, she grew up in Cornwall and lives there, so two ladies from the UK, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast.
0: Oh, thank you very much for having us.
3: <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. <laughs>
2: well, we're really excited to have you. It's so much fun. And before we started recording, I think we, we should have recorded because we, we did about half a show, just having a lot of fun <laughs> visiting about what's been going on in your lives. Wow, you two have been doing some really, really neat stuff. So I, I think it's awesome. Faye, I'm going to start with you. Will you tell us just a little bit about... You know your growing up years and how you got plugged in to adventure.
0: Yeah, sure, no, no problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm quite a quiet, shy person, really, and 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 I, I grew up in Cornwall, sort of messing around. Um, uh, I had a little Jack Russell that I would come home from school and play with in the woods, but you know, quite quite a shy person. Always used to get scared going to people's houses for sleepovers. Um, quite often, my mom would get called at like. 10 o'clock to come and pick me up because I was I was terribly homesick so so not at all adventurous as a young person but um, uh, I did the I did the regular thing of going to uni university and getting it getting a degree and then going into a job and just working the nine to five and you know going through the process of life really and it wasn't until I was God, it was about three years ago now in 2014 a friend phoned me and was like, "Hey, do you fancy summiting or attempting to climb Kilimanjaro for my for my birthday?" I was like, "Yeah, that that'd be great." And uh, and so that was that was the start of it all, really. I, I I um went off to um climb Kilimanjaro. It was on that trip that I you know I found it was like the first taste of really pushing myself um, beyond my perceived limits, and and that was that was the start of it all, really um so yeah then then after that I came back to Cornwall and uh I just wanted more more adventure <laughs> and so uh so I looked on social media and I saw um Alistair Humphrey's micro adventure book and that Anna was out there doing stuff like taking groups out micro adventuring around London and I thought this is cool I can have a bit of an adventure after work um so I started doing doing that so after work I'd I'd grab my bivy bag and, and a friend and go and sleep on a hill Mm. and then the next day go into work and and that was that was the beginning really um of of the next few years uh, leading until now really
2: well i think that's wonderful and then there was a connection with anna that that led you to cycle the length of new zealand tell us about that
0: Yes, this sounds like massively stalkerish. Uh, you know it's true, Well, I was, um, I was going out to New Zealand for a friend's wedding, um, for a school friend, in in 2015. And I, I was on social media, and I'd, I'd seen that Anna was doing all this micro-adventure stuff, and that her next um, challenge was going to be running the length of New Zealand solo um, and completely self-supported. I was like, I just could not believe it. I was, I'd never seen, or, you know, I'd never read anything like that before. And I just thought this is amazing. Like, if, although, although I'm not um, an an ex-rower for for Great Britain or anything like this, Anna is just showing that you know anybody can do it. And I thought, well, I can't, I probably can't run it. I can't run the Lake of New Zealand, but I can probably cycle, cycle it. So, um, so I ended up fly my bike out when i was going to go to this wedding well flying a friend's bike out i didn't even own a bike (laughs)
3: Um, and fly
0: (laughs) flying all his kit out the tent i borrowed everything um and then i just started off pedaling at the bottom of new zealand going up towards the top and uh, along the way i sent anna a message because she was running at the same time and i was continually being inspired by by her posts And, and we just so happened to be in the same town at the same day which was 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 coincidence actually, even though it doesn't quite sound it. So I um, tracked her down on her tracker, and it was the day was just, it was just absolutely pouring with rain. It was like the worst weather New Zealand could throw at us, really. It was hauling it down with rain, and I thought, "There's no way Anna's going to be running in this." There's no way. But anyway, I pedalled out on my bike, and I found her emerging from the bush, running. With this great big backpack on, just plodding away, like I was just—I didn't know I could get even more inspired, but I did when I saw Anna coming out of the out of the bush.
2: So this is the first time you actually met face to face.
3: Yeah, I was at this point. I would just have to say I was a broken woman. (laughs) I had to run, I think, like forty kilometers that day, um, kind of like twenty-four miles. And I'd had three weeks of torrential rain and this was the town I was making it to. Where I was going to have a little bit of a break and to come out and I was just trying to get through the last mile to the town. And then this girl just appears on a bike and she's like, <laughs> Anna! I'm like, hello, who are you? <laughs> My name's Faye. And she just gave me a hug. And yeah, she said, I've bought you a night at the Backpackers and I've got a bottle of wine and some ice cream. <laughs> just like, I love you. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was how we met.
2: Wow, sounds, that sounds, sounds like fair. a great way to start a friendship.
0: <laughs> That's it really amazing. Was, Yeah, cemented over ice cream and a great film. <laughs> great film, yeah.
2: Well, I did not realize until you just told the story that you were biking New Zealand at the same time that Anna was running New Zealand and then you met there. That is really yes, really yeah. funny.
0: Yeah, yeah you no,
3: could cool. you could make it up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. That is fantastic. And I guess the friendship worked because you ended up biking the Andes together all through South America. Wow. Tell me how this transpired. Anna, let's give you a chance to to jump in here. (laughs) How did you guys decide to bike South America together?
3: Well, I should probably have to jump in because it was definitely my fault. um, Because (laughs) I don't know if you remember last time Last time I came on the show, I said at the end, I said, we're gonna, I'm going to scoot the length of South America. Right, it was a friend. kick bike. Right? <laughs> right, yeah, on a kick bike. So I, I still had this idea, and I've I'd been messing around on scooters for a while, like a kick bike. And I thought, I really want to explore South America. So, yeah, I'll just do it on a scooter. And I just thought, who can I call in my mental Rolodex who would... <laughs> happily give up six months of their life and agree to come kick biking scootering with me and i thought faye shepherd so i just called faye out of the blue and was like faye mate do you want to do you want to come scoot south america and she's like yes i do <laughs> and um and i kind of knew that she what you know she just finished one of um i think she'd just been made redundant from a job so she was pretty free and, um, but we did leave it to chance in the end whether she was actually going to be able to come because you were applying, you were applying for various things like the police and stuff like that. And yeah. so we were kind of leaving it loose. Um, but we did say, well, if we do go, let's, um, you know, let's do a tester trip. And so someone, someone said to us, they said, you know, that the roads in Wales, um, are really like South America. Not like, really, are they? So we, we we did about sort of seven hours of driving to go and pick up these scooters, which um, we got from this couple who race Huskies off them. So they attach Huskies to the front and then they get dragged along on these scooters. And um, we were really worried about the clearance. So we were really worried because it's almost like a skateboard platform with the two mm, big wheels. Right. We thought, well, all the rocks and stuff, they might, you know, we not, might not be able to get the clearance to go over them. So we were really concerned about that. And then we took them out to these roads in Wales and we were really excited. And we started scooting on the first hill. We were like, yeah, great. And then we got to the first hill and both of us just went really <laughs> quiet. And um, after about five minutes and then we had to get off and walk and push them. I just looked at Faye and I said, we're not we're not taking these to South America, are we? She was like, no, they don't go up hills. And I was thinking there's was quite a lot of mountains in South America. So we just decided that we'd forget about it and just have the most awesome weekend we could and we had a blast on them. They were just oh they're so much fun. It's so bombing much them fun. downhill. <laughs> oh god, it's like downhill. It's like downhill skiing. Oh it's so much fun. Mm. Um and then at the end of the weekend we then just talked about all the different options and we kind of arrived at well if we're not going to go on scooters because we're going to be going up mountains, then we might as well go up as many mountains as humanly possible. And I think there was the chat of, I was like, I, I really hate going downhill, but I love going uphill. And Faye was like, I love going uphill too. I was like, should we just go uphill as much as possible? Wow. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> so that's what we decided to do on bicycles. <laughs> go uphill as much as possible.
2: Well, the problem is that what goes up must come down again.
3: Yeah, I know. I would gladly hand my bike to someone at the top to ride it down every time.
2: Wow. So that, that kind of surprises me because most people, Anna, of course, we all know how masochistic you are. But most people yes, would I say am. the downhill is the fun part. The uphill is the work oh. to get to the downhill. But you've got it the other way.
3: Oh, honestly, I love, I, I don't know whether it's about control or something, but I love that sick burn and the kind of the, the sick monotony of climbing a hill. You know, you just get into this rhythm and you're kind of on the, like, the little knife edge of pain. But then I find coming downhill, my imagination just goes bananas and I'm just an absolute granny. And I just hands on the brake and I get like claw hands by the end. (laughs) On this trip, Faye was just dropping me all the hills. She would just absolutely drop me. I was like, you're you're quite quick downhills, Faye. Um, But yeah, um, yeah. but we both like going up. So that was the important bit.
2: (laughs) Right. Well, I actually understand what you're talking about exactly. I do enjoy climbing a lot and uh, people look at you funny. But I think yeah. what happens is that over time you get accustomed to that feeling of how else to say it. You feel really alive when you're climbing a mountain on a bike.
0: Yes,
2: it's just like definitely. wow, I'm doing this.
0: <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean?
2: So is that That's what it, it, it and... is for you, Faye?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Like, and when you get to the top, and you or or even just like just plodding your way through it, and you completely drift off, you. Just turn your legs and you can feel the burn, your lungs burn, your legs burn, and just when you get to the top as well, and you, you, you look back at where you've come up, or you spent many hours going up, and you get to the top and you're like, wow, this is this is awesome. But I, I also love going down, so that helps as well.
2: <laughs> well, let's talk about how much uphilling you did, because it's quite remarkable. Do you have the stats for this ride? It was crazy.
0: Yeah. Yes. I think...
3: I think we were about 103,000 meters of ascent by the end, so that was over 11 times the height of Everest on our humble, loaded touring bikes, most of it (laughs) off-road, 80% off-road, I think we worked out. Wow. 103,000
2: meters. Now, that's not feet, that's meters. Oh,
3: sorry, yeah. That's meters, meters. yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, So what's that, like three times that?
2: I just have to point that out for all of our American listeners. You know, that's three and a quarter more, so we're talking about about... Four hundred thousand almost four hundred thousand feet of of climbing. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. we love our climbing. <laughs> we do. And
3: That's nice. The, the scariest thing that a lot of it, not a lot of it, but a huge chunk of it happened in the first two weeks because there's this area in um, in Bolivia called the Jungus where the it's kind of jungle like and was very hot, so um thirty thirty seven degrees C, I'm not sure what that is in Fahrenheit, but incredibly hot incredibly humid and the roads there are no flat roads you basically go up a mountain over it down to the the river up another mountain over it and um, and so in the first two weeks we had absolutely just destroyed ourselves yes
0: yeah. <laughs> so it was like baptism bit of a, by fire
3: it, it was sure. it really oh. was
2: fall is the best time to start thinking snow and bentgate mountaineering is ready to help you get prepared for your epic winter Come check out the latest in Alpine Touring, Telemark, NTN, and Splitboarding gear. Brands like Black Crows, DPS, Dinafit, G3, Icelandic, K2, Technica Blizzard, Arcteryx, Mammoth, Solomon, Vole, Neversummer, Jones, and BCA. And you need to be safe out there. Bentgate has the latest in avalanche safety gear from beacons to airbags, and they are ready to help you educate yourself on snow safety. You can also rent skis, boots, splitboards, beacons, shovels, and probes at Bentgate. What's more, they host free demo ski days at local resorts so you can try out the latest gear. Stop by Bentgate in Golden, Colorado, or go to bentgate.com to check out your new gear as well as to get updates on all of their events. 37C. This is the way I convert this, and it's not correct, but it's yeah. close. Double it and add 32, and then take a little off again. Right? Amazing. So, so what that ends up being is about 100 to 110 degrees or something like that yeah. Fahrenheit the, yeah. and humid.
3: Oh, honestly, <laughs> you you, didn't, you took a bit of an exception to that one. A few of the days, and you were having a hard time in the heat. But it was definitely,
0: here. definitely. I mean, the the humidity, I think, was what what gets to me. I mean, for for a redhead, I normally love the sun and love the heat, but it was just, it was just so suffocating. And like we started, and I thought, oh my goodness, is this what the whole of the Andes is going to be like? But uh, but it wasn't. It it did yeah. change pretty pretty quickly. <laughs>
3: We were stopping every 20 minutes in that first two weeks as well because we were still getting used to the altitude. I mm. mean, we flew into 4,000 meters above sea level and then we were sort of dancing around at that for the first two weeks.
0: Wow, and, um, that's up
2: there.
3: And, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, um, yeah. And we were just weren't used to it. And then add the heat and the humidity on top of that. And we were having to stop every 100 meters of ascent on our bikes, which is only really 20 minutes. And then we'd stop yeah. and lie in the shade and collapse a bit. And,
0: and we yeah. were literally exhausted at that point. Like, I just can't even comprehend it now like thinking about having just to go up 100 meters and be exhausted and really having to motivate ourselves to get back on the bikes um yeah it's just it just seems so so foreign now
2: (laughs) wow so just so our audience understands what's going on here we've had a lot of shows that talk about acclimating to altitude and uh anytime you get a healthy person that comes from sea level let's say it this way you get to about 10,000 feet you really start to feel it up around 12,000 yeah. feet, it just hurts. And yeah. at that altitude, which is what you're talking about, 4,000 meters, yeah. um, at that altitude, it's high enough that some people actually get very, very ill. They have to be hospitalized mm-hmm. because of yeah. uh, cerebral edema or pulmonary edema or, or these sorts of things. And, and one thing that's very common is that you get a little bit of dizziness and an upset stomach. And that's mm-hmm. just what altitude does to people. And doctors yep. recommend people who are not healthy not even try to do that. You can go to those mm-hmm. altitudes, but you need to go to some intermediate level and stay for a while and let your body yep. build up some more hemoglobin so then you can get enough oxygen to continue. You're saying that the two of you flew in to about 12,000 feet and hit it hard right away.
3: <laughs> well, we, we, we planned to, but we actually we took a week we we took pretty well. We had five days where we thought we'll acclimatise a bit because we were struggling to get our bikes even off the baggage carousel and onto mm. the trolleys without <laughs> passing out. um And then um sure. we had a five days where basically, I mean, I've got an appetite like a horse, and um and Faye similar as well. I do and too. We, yes. I, yeah. We'd buy. A, I'd buy a burrito and cut it into four, and it was an absolute achievement if I'd managed to eat the fourth part of the burrito by the end of the day. I mean, I had no appetite. Right. Um. And then, but of course, Faye had been up to Kilimanjaro. The highest I'd been until this point was two and a half thousand meters in the Alps, you know, really. So not even up to 10,000 10, 10, feet, really. I mean, I'd been, actually, I had been up once or twice in the Rockies, but very, very briefly. So um, Faye kind of had the upper hand. But then um, we tried to ride up to a ski station at 5,000 meters, didn't we, Faye?
0: We did, yeah. That was a pretty brutal day. It was just... Yeah. Nuts! We we we. What were we at? Four thousand five hundred, and then to go up to five thousand meters. I think it was five hundred. Yeah, five around five hundred five five and a half, mm. um, five hundred meters in a day. And uh, we we started out, and we got to the top of La Paz, and which is probably like a couple of hundred meters um, elevation. And um, Anna was looking, you know, white, um, exhausted. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was feeling horrendous as well. And uh, I've got a, a Sats probe which measures the amount of oxygen um, right. in in our blood, um, and so we we sort of, we would pop it on each other throughout the the duration of our trip actually, uh, and see how low our, our oxygen levels were. But I think what were your what were your oxygen levels on that one, Anna?
3: Seventy four. Mine went down to seventy four. So that's when I saw because it's a weird it's a weird thing, Kurt. You're kind of going well. I don't know what this feels like. I, you know, at what point am I not okay? Because I'm feeling a bit lightheaded and I'm, and I'm feeling a bit nauseous, but I'm used to pushing on through things, but equally I know I shouldn't push on through some of this, but then where's that line? And so I, it was like a weird science experiment that first week, just trying to work out what my body was okay with and what wasn't. And we were trying to go by the sats. And, um, but I think we learned as the trip went on that actually I could have quite low sats and be Okay. Um, because my body yeah. was actually taking more oxygen from 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 each blood cell you know it was actually mm. using or using rather using the oxygen that was there better than other people would whereas phase, if yours dropped sort of below 80 you were in trouble really
0: i was in trouble yeah i mean but like, yours didn't drop as in, much no i mean, in normal life if if you're under 95% you, you you know people begin to get worried and to have sats of like 74 i was like panicking <laughs> i was panicking that anna was like in big, big trouble, and I think come the end we knew what was normal for each other. Like if Anna was behaving weirdly, then um, you know I I could tell by the end because we'd been hanging around with each other for for six months. So <laughs> so yeah, uh, so, um, yeah I, I, I think you know living in each other's pockets for a while, you you begin to notice what's normal and what's not 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 so normal. Right. Um, wow. But no, that was and you talk about. Was... Yeah,
3: sorry. you talk about this the sickness, cut. and Faye. Um, do you want to tell them about the Tarunku day because that was really like your day of pushing on through horrendous <laughs> altitude sickness.
0: Oh, uh, it was. It was. It really was. I mean, I've dreamed of summiting uh, a six thousand meter peak since um, since Kilimanjaro, just because Kilimanjaro is so close. It's five thousand eight hundred ninety five meters, so you are literally hundred and five meters off and uh, i don 't know why I just just love the altitude, but on on this route that we chosen, there was an opportunity to like veer off course um, It would be like a couple of day like a day in to get to this volcano called volcan Uturunku, which was like six thousand and eight meters mm. um, and so we thought, you know what we'll, we'll go to the town, pick up a load of food and and try and hit it and so we went to this little village, there was a small shop that we picked up supplies. And uh, we we basically bought the majority of food in the shop and then <laughs> ate it straight away because we've been starving. <laughs> and at this point, we were, like, totally fine, but we just ate way too much. And then uh, we got on our bike and decided to pedal to try and make this where we thought we would camp at the base of this volcano um, and beginning to, beginning to pedal along. And I just began to feel pretty pretty horrendous, like, I felt sick and I had a very upset stomach and literally I could, I would pedal a few hundred meters, um, get off the bike and without being too graphic, I would be hor- horrendously ill and then have to get back onto the, onto the bike uh, and pedal, keep pedaling uh, while wow. uh, well, Poor Anna was waiting, very patiently. Oh, um, I was fine. I wasn't being ill, but it wasn't <laughs> it for you, so you know, it wasn't so much fun. And and I was more crushed by the fact that you know I thought my dream of getting up a six thousand meter peak was was over because um, I just was absolutely completely drained. Um, but we we made it to where we wanted to make it to that night, and we set up camp. Um, I don't think we had dinner that night, and um, no. Which is quite unusual for us because that would be the highlight of our day. But I think um, I think pigging out at the the shop in in the morning was was the issue. Um, but but we went to sleep that night and woke up the next morning and Anna was Anna shouted from her tent, "Faye, are you all right?" I was like, "Yeah, I think I think I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay." And so we um, we took our bikes and then spent the next uh, well the rest of that day uh, attempting to to summit. Or cycle up the highest road in the world um and we made it to 5150 meters uh above sea level before <coughs> ditching our bikes and um switching to our feet um at which point both anna and i were pretty ruined weren't we anna but i w- I, w- I was all right on the bike pedaling at that stage um and anna was y- you were you were off off the bike at that stage weren't you anna
3: yeah, this is what this is what I found fascinating about altitude. It's amazing. Is you you couldn't pick what it was going to do to one another's bodies. And sure. I was struggling. Yeah, I was struggling to, to pedal, to even keep my pedals turning. And Faye was still going for it. And then I said to Faye, like, I lay on my back and I was like waves of nausea. And I thought... I, I cannot carry on I thought like now is the moment for me where I need to get off the bike and I need to walk and so I said I sort of said that to Faye and she was like yeah okay let's go for it so we stashed our bikes like Faye said and then we started walking and I felt amazing I was sort of like <laughs> skipping along and then I looked at Faye and she'd just gone white as a sheep oh, and no. she looked at, yeah she looked over and she said to me she's like Anna do you feel really really rough I was like no I feel brilliant <laughs> And our bodies had just completely flipped. Mine was great with walking, but it couldn't cycle. And Faye loved cycling, but hated walking at that altitude. It was um, crazy. It was crazy.
2: It changes from time to time, adventure to adventure, for one
3: individual person. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And um, we carried on. We managed to carry on, but we were being reduced. to. I mean, we were making sort of 10 meters of ascent at a time and then stopping and... Um, and we got to – we made a promise that we'd turn around before 4 p.m. that evening. And we've been going since sort of 7 o'clock in the morning. Oh. And we – yeah, long, but we could see the summit. But equally, there were lots of different options to get up there. And to me, all of them looked ridiculous. I mean, I'm talking like loose, <laughs> scrambly lava rock. and um,
0: Massive boulders. Yeah, and Yeah.
3: Oh. And we just – you know, we we're there just us two without guide thinking – The only people we've got to rely on are, um, you know, each other. And I just had this moment where I thought, I'm not sure this is sensible anymore. Um, But I knew it meant so much to Faye. So, um, yeah, so I just I turned to Faye and I was like, well, actually, you turned to me didn't you Faye and said, what are you thinking right now? And I said, I'm thinking right now, if we zoomed out from this volcano, I'd be asking, what are you doing? And um, I'd be saying, go down. And then, Faye, you you agreed, didn't you? But it had to come from you. Like I would have pushed on if you but we were yeah, we both we agreed were... it was not sensible. No. Mm. And
0: I, I would have never lived it down like being rescued from a mountain, being in a mountain rescue team. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's it. But we were five five thousand eight hundred meters high. And that I mean that is the highest I've been,
0: so yeah. Yeah, that's no, impressive. And, and definitely like completely happy with the decision and, and at that point we just sort of sat down didn't we and and looked at looked at where we were which was just in the middle of nowhere pretty much apart from this tiny little town that was you know effectively two days away and it was just it was just incredible I mean it's for me not reaching the summit was you know just as special an experience as as reaching a summit you know reaching the top of Kilimanjaro just just to make it there and sit and look down at the view it was amazing
2: yeah you know i we interview a lot of mountaineers, of course, on the adventure sports podcast, and the ones who are the most successful I said it that way on purpose, they tend to agree that what matters is the way that you do the adventure that's not the summit,
0: yeah, it's yeah. the
2: experience of the attempt and being safe enough that uh when you kind of, when you turn around and come back down, you can feel proud of yourself because you know you can go back another day. That's probably the easiest way to say it. You know, the yeah, people that, that take too much risk to go too far, too late, too high, they're the ones that uh, don't live to tell the tale. So oh, I'm yeah. sure that you guys did the right thing. But what I want to highlight here is you did most of that mountain on bikes, and they're not like this is a... a a mountain bike ready for an expedition, climb just up a mountain. I mean, these are loaded up for touring. Yeah. So this is not just a walk up a mountain. This is crazy. So let's talk about the kit just a little bit. How heavy was your bike, Anna?
3: Um, I think it was probably about 30 kilos with everything on. That would be base weight. And then there were the most water we had to carry was over Christmas. We had to load up with about 17 litres of water each and um that that was heavy really heavy and um yeah so uh so it got a lot heavier at times and also the the roads you know they're the the bolivian roads oh they take you to some amazing places but it's like riding on you've either got broken crockery that kind of surface or you're riding on corrugation where you're getting kind of juddered around or or you're in deep sand um so it was it was really i was just i mean looking back i just think how on earth did we keep going sometimes but you just crack on with it you know it's just one day at a time but yeah heavy 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 bikes and we had different we had different bikes as well i had um traditional mountain bike size wheels and a bit more of a touring bike setup. Hmm. and Faye Faye had um she had like a um kind of bigger 29 inch wheels and um more of a yeah i guess more of a kind of r- a more racier frame but um, a bit different and then you had tubeless tires as well which actually yeah. turned out to be the way forward tubeless
0: tires are the way forward
2: so <laughs> Faye, did your bike have a uh, front shock rear shock any suspension
0: no not at all no it was um it was a hand built uh, sorry custom built f- uh, frame um no no shock or suspension at all but yeah big 29 inch wheels two and a half inch wide tubeless tires. Um, mm. So loads of, loads of grip and nice and big so that they would try and go over any sand. But I
2: was going to say the sand, probably nice in the sand.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ni- nice and deep in the sand. And they actually rolled pretty nice on the, on the roads as well. Like they, it, it went, it was, it was fine on the roads. No, it's just a, a really nice bike really. But just, we had the, so in terms of luggage, we had a rear rack each which so we had two panniers and our tents on the back and then we'd have we had a handlebar bag on the front uh, and that was it really we wanted to go as light as we could but I mean that was like we were trying to go as light as we could but in order to um carry all the water and everything we just needed that that sort of setup
2: oh yeah Um, well and you mentioned 17 liters of water Anna that's again (laughs) that's like 35 pounds (laughs)
3: Oh my gosh, it was so ridiculous. Oh, just when every time we did it, and I think because I'd done a few adventures before, I was actually very sensible on water this time, and we we always carried a little bit spare. And and it's not like New Zealand where you know there's there's running rivers everywhere, and you're always going to be okay. In in areas of Bolivia and Argentina, it is so dry. I mean, there is nothing, and so. I think we both freak each other out and I'm sort of going, Well, I'm at least one of us has got spare you know, we've both got spare water if the other ones goes and but oh there was one day where we carried all that water and it was over Christmas and I basically got heat exhaustion because it, yeah. it hit 45 degrees C. Oh, and, <laughs> on um, Christmas. This is my Christmas. This is my Christmas tree. <laughs> and all the water in our bottles and our bladder, because we had a black bladder on the back, had just turned basically to boiling point. And um, yeah, obviously not that quite that hot, but very hot. So actually, every time I took a drink, all that was happening was I got hotter. And um, by the end of the day, I was I think we, we rode. We rode sort of eight almost eighty miles that day, I think, and yeah. by the end of it I was in <clears throat> absolute state. You know, I was sort of nauseous and um You yeah, weren't just making any
0: sense either. You were I sort of babbling away. Like <laughs> thought, uh, right, something's wrong here. <laughs> I, I
2: you know, you you two ladies keep on telling me what you're going through and I'm thinking, wow, this is <laughs> this is over the top. 45 degrees Celsius fun. is 113 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, you have a 100-pound wow. bike. That
0: sounds
3: gnarly. Your water's yeah, about yeah.
2: to boil sitting on the frame. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but man.
0: Yeah. We'll wait to spend a Christmas. Oh, I know,
2: <laughs> Merry Christmas.
0: <laughs>
2: that that adds kind of a new perspective to the famous song Dreaming of a White Christmas, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, <how> we were. <laughs> Covered
2: white with ash, maybe.
3: Yeah, that yeah. was it.
1: hydro blue is a water filter company that was created to provide high quality water filters at an affordable price while helping end the world water crisis they strive to make clean water more acceptable to the outdoor adventurer and the less fortunate check out their website at www.hydroblu.com this episode of the adventure sports podcast is brought to you by 180tac.com 180 TAC manufactures premier backpacking and emergency products. Whether you need a backpacking stove for your week-long trek on the trail or an emergency stove for your bug-out bag, we have the tools you need. Visit www.180TAC.com.
2: In the end, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it, Anna, it sounds like your bike was almost like a cyclocross setup, almost like a road bike with some knobbies.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was an absolute battle.
2: And uh, so, which bike was better for the for what you were doing? Did you decide?
3: Uh, I think FaZe I think phase was um, was better. I mean, mine minded absolutely amazing for the amount we put it through, and um, I mean. I think I had less small technical things go wrong with it. Because, Faye, you had, you had some issues with your rack and stuff. So my entire setup, I think, was very durable. But in terms of coping with the terrain, Faye's yeah. her tubeless tires and the fatter wheels and the bigger wheels was definitely the way to go for South America. Because I think I went smaller wheels because I thought we're not going to be able to get the spare parts. And actually, all that ended up happening is I got loads of punctures and Faye got none and had no with <laughs> parts. <laughs> Except once, where we had a bit of a scare, didn't we? Where you had a sla- you had your your real phase rear wheel basically completely collapsed and caved. My um, and we had, did, yeah. yeah. How many? How far were <laughs> we from the town? And you had to make it to uh, the town.
0: Three hundred kilometers, wasn't it? Yeah. From the nearest, On a wing and a prayer. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, is this where you had to have something three D printed for the bike?
0: Uh no no uh, the bike shop um cranked bikes they they three D printed this little um rubber washer that fit in between my bike rack and uh, my bike to to make the bike rack fit um so that was just a that was just a cool component that I liked the look <laughs> That's of <fun>. um <laughs> That's but fun. Uh, but no it was like we were three hundred kilometers from a town and and the spoke broke and there was like a hole in my rim so we had to we had to limp it there um using the supplies that we had to try and fix fix the bike which were basically a bit of electrical tape holding the space out you of the way
3: the funniest moment with a breakage we had Kurt was we were cycling into this town and we were in a section in Patagonia where there were quite a lot of cycle tourists and we were moving past back and forth and I was just cycling long behind Faye it was quite a bumpy road and just from behind her her whole back rack just dropped off onto the floor and it was like watching someone like drop their trousers <laughs> <You know? laughs> it just dropped and then you could see her. She sort of carried on trying to cycle, turned around as if going, oh, I'm sure I can carry on, whatever it is, and then spotted her whole rack on the floor. <laughs> and, and so I got up to her, and we got, like, the cable ties out, the gaffer tape. We were like, yeah, you know, come on, Nuts we'll fix this. Nuts and bolts. We're all fixing it. And, and then this guy comes along, and he's like, do you need any help? And we said, British guy, do you need help? And we were like, "Nah, we got this covered, actually. We all all right. And then we just started chatting, and we said, so do you think, are you going to camp in the next town? He said, oh. I don't know. It's, it's a little bit cold. The sun doesn't come on it. Yeah. The sun doesn't come on that town in the morning. I might move on. <laughs> we would just thought the contrast, like, you know, two girls with cable ties and a broken rack and some guy going, oh, the campsite's a bit cold for me. I just, oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> Crack that's me up. fun.
2: Well, everybody has his or her own favorite level of adventure, and yours is pretty high that's up true. there, gals. I have to tell you, that's... <laughs> That's pretty extreme. It was fun.
3: It was lots of fun.
2: We've not even told the listeners what your route was yet. I'm sure they're like, oh, I know you're in South America, but where did you go? So <laughs> give us the, the quick play-by-play. Uh, what was the, the route you took? Uh
0: you uh, go for it? Oh, okay. No, you okay. go. <laughs> okay, so we, we, we started in La Paz in Bolivia. And then we took like an acclimatization ride up to... Lake Titicaca, which is the highest navigable lake in the world, that we found out just purely by accident. Um, and then we headed uh, back down south through Bolivia. We headed through the South Yungas region, which is super hilly. Uh, and then down through. Feel free to interject, Anna, if I'm missing <laughs> missing you're some regions because well. you're the you're the one that's amazing at uh, place names. Anyway, so then we, we headed south into Chile and then zigzagged uh, our way down through the Andes, crossing the Chilean and Argentinian, Argentinian border um, all the way down to Patagonia at the bottom and eventually ending up in um, Tierra, Tierra del Fuego and um, Ush- uh, Ushuaia at the very bottom of South America. Mm. So really just trying to trying to head over the Andes as much as possible, um, heading south.
2: Now, a lot of people Um, would have tried to have avoided being in the Andes as much as possible. (laughs) You realize this, right?
0: Yeah. (laughs) They're missing a trick.
3: Yeah, they really, honestly, some of the passes, Kurt, one day we did 88 switchbacks. We rode 88 switchbacks. And that was like a little bit going up, but most of it was coming down. And I've just never, ever seen roads like it. They just snake on and you spend a whole day going uphill from sort of, Thousand meters up to 4,000 meters above sea level, and oh, and then you plunge back down, it's, it's just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I think I saw that picture on Instagram.
3: Oh, yeah, it's like a spaghetti road, and yeah, I think someone posted it. Yeah, and um, and part half of the fun for us was actually researching the route as well and and trying to work out. I mean, we could have done so much more wiggling. We did a lot of wiggling, but um, there were so many places we could have gone up and explored and like old, you know, disused mines and and all these roads that ended in dead ends and things like that. But we we actually just ran out of time in the end. We had to get going. We did.
2: Well, it sounds really delightful. And I don't blame you for wanting to stick to the Andes. I mean, I love mountains myself and the experiences that you have. When you're both going up and coming down, and at the top and in the valleys, I mean, it doesn't matter. Mountains are just magical.
0: Oh, it's incredible, and, and and it's not just like the the scenery and like say the, the physical getting there. For us, I think like because like Anna's first time experiencing proper high altitude stuff, and that that in itself is it's like a drug. It's like having that feeling of breathlessness and like for me i'm i'm completely addicted to to high altitude stuff um and just even like being able to get out of your tent and go 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 for a wee in a bush and you're completely out out of breath you're like what is going on but um but then when you come down to sort of sea level um especially on like the big descents when you, you start off in all your clothes because it's sort of freezing cold at altitude. And then you, I think one day when we came down from Bolivia into um, Chile, we ended up at San Pedro de Atacama, which is, you know, it's at the fringes of the Atacama Desert, which is the driest desert in the world, and oh, it's the driest place in the world. And we started up at sort of four and a half, five thousand meters above sea level in all of our layers and then we spent like h- how many hours was that an hour and a
3: half going solidly downhill mm. yeah
0: oh, and it was incredible and we, we just had to keep stopping and peeling off layers as it got hotter and hotter and hotter and then by the end of it we were sort of in shorts and t-shirt and breathing in this this air that's so thick it's like it's like inhaling soup um <laughs> but 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 that that feeling is just it's just incredible so. well
2: that brings something up mountaineers, they acclimate by doing, you know, the, the trips up and down the mountain and that sort of thing until they get to the point if they feel confident that they can manage the altitude. But when you're on a bike, you're potentially going faster, maybe not so much going up. Yeah. But when you come back down again, you can really cover a lot of ground in a hurry. And I've experienced this because I sleep at altitude. When I fly to sea level, I feel a little bit off for a couple of days just because it's too low. So did that impact you when you would come down a mountain on the bikes?
3: I I can't remember a time when I felt um, I, n- I never felt bad being being low when I hadn't been quite high that day, if that makes sense. So I always just thought I'm feeling rough because I've been up there today. Um, so I don't I don't think I mean, I guess well, I've grown up at sea level, so I don't um remember feeling that there was one day that I was I had and it was probably only one day that I got quite a bad headache and everything and I was quite keen to Mm. to get as low down as possible but Faye was quite rightly saying we don't want to get to the bottom of the valley floor because it's really cold down there you know so let's stay a little bit up so
0: um
3: yeah I don't I don't know did you get that Faye did you feel too low at
0: any point no I can't I I can't really remember feeling like too low I I can definitely remember feeling too high (laughs) (laughs) right um yeah but but uh, yeah, no, not, not not really too low, no. I think you're
3: superhuman, Kurt. You're just like, you're, you're, you're just are. bred specimens no, out there, I,
0: aren't you? In the I don't think
2: CT. so.
3: That's it.
2: <laughs> well, when we fly to sea level, sometimes we get a, a slight headache for a day or something like that. And we notice we don't no have no to worry. breathe. I mean, we could breathe through a yeah. tiny little straw and it'd be plenty of air. But it's just because Crazy. we sleep at altitude.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, goodness, we've done the who, we've done the what, we've done the when... Now we've even done the where but we haven't even started on the why. Why do you ladies do these things?
0: Uh do you want to go first Anna? You- yeah, you can go <laughs> first. Uh, okay, well for for me it's um like the last few challenges they've been like each time I've gone on one I've come back and grown um as as a person and and it's given me I've learned something from it, something you know, that has actually changed my life. I've become maybe slightly more confident or um, it gives you perspective as well. Like you realise that actually, you know, we are massively lucky to be doing what we're doing. Um, and and so, you know, it's we're in a very fortunate position that we we, we can occasionally go off and do these things. Um, but so so there's the personal growth bit, but then there's also, you know, taking everybody along on a journey with us I mean my my family love love seeing it and um it's it's just a great thing to do I mean you you meet loads of people it's just it's just amazing (laughs) I love it but uh Anna you can probably explain a bit bit better than that (laughs) no not at all my my
3: reasons are really really similar and I think for me like every adventure it's got to be different and the reason I wanted to do this one was partly because I wanted to go somewhere where I couldn't speak the language because I really struggle with confidence in other languages. And within, we did three days of Spanish lessons, which was hilarious. Um, <laughs> and, and I actually realised by the end, I was like, I'm not that bad at Spanish. Like, I'm actually like, uh, you know, I can do this. And um, But that was a really important part of it. And the other thing is I, I wanted to go with someone else because it's all very well and good doing all these adventures on your own, but it, that, it doesn't always teach you much about tolerance and compassion. And I thought, well, if I go with someone else, you know, namely Faye, because she's pretty laid back and pretty chilled and awesome. Um, I thought I've got a feeling I might learn something about not my way of seeing the world, definitely not being the right way. And um, always, you know, and 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 I and I think for me that was that was the most surprising. There were two surprises out of the journey. I think one of them was how much I loved altitude, even though I hated it at the time. I loved it in <laughs> <hindsight>. <laughs> And, um, and the second thing I think was just the way that Faye and I managed our relationship through the, through the trip. And I think we worked out we had we had a total of four fallings out where we worked out we had three full ones and then two half ones and <laughs> and um and on um, one of them was on Christmas Eve and I and after we'd had our falling out and then we sorted it all out and we always sorted it out really quickly within sort of twenty minutes of of having a disagreement we'd sorted it out and I remember calling my boyfriend when when Faye wasn't there and just t- telling him what happened and whatever and he just said to me he said here I, here you are out in the Andes on Christmas Eve you're learning, you know, you're growing yeah. as an individual and I'm sat here in my pants eating Quality Streets <laughs> which is <like laughs> chocolate, our chocolate in the UK and um, and I think that sums it up for me, you know, you can you can, we could just stay at home and it'll all be easy or you can go and choose to be really uncomfortable and, and probably learn some things about yourself you know, that are uncomfortable but equally they just, they, they, they make you grow as a person, so um Yeah, I just think it was the most amazing journey. Definitely not not like anything I'd ever done before.
2: Mm.
1: You can catch part two of Anna and Faye's episode on Monday. Until then, get out and have some fun.